Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Sunny in house today. Hello, everyone. Hello, 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 Sunny in the house. JC is not with us right now. I do have to let you know, first and foremost, JC and I made you a promise yesterday. Uh, I can't fulfill. And I, I, I don't, I didn't do this intentionally to, you know, dramatize the whole release and all this, but we're having some technical delays, uh, on the big thing that we want to, we want to share with you. So please don't, don't be too angry at me. Just know that, that it's, that it's coming. Pray with us that, that these technical issues will be cleared up by tomorrow. We can, let it all go but you know how things work it's just got to all come together at the same time and we got to make this happen so i'm really excited about this uh also in full disclosure we are not live right now sunny and i are pre-recording because remember we have the leadership institute event this week uh thursday friday saturday and tonight is our final wrap up for that. And so we will be pre-recording this rest of this week. Uh, I know that you guys like it when we're in the chat room with you. And when we pre-record quite often, JC and I are in the chat room with you. We just can't actually be live with you. So when you see us responding because we pre-record, it's because we watch with you. Because we like to be a part of your discussion. And that's a way that allows us to be a part of your discussion. And we're just, we're just really, uh, we're so thankful for you. Don't you love them? Oh, love them. <laughs> so I know you guys were so fond of, of, of having Sonny around last time. And, and when JC can't make it, I'm going to try to make sure that Sonny is, is with us. Sonny has to get more comfortable with being behind the camera and, and being uh, in the in the studio with us because it was funny because last time you were on you 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 thought of all this cool stuff that you should have said uh, after yeah the true. show true That's so usually how it works just like, wow, I should have said uh blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah so just let it flow because our people aren't haters they're not gonna and they love you anyway except for the few that are that are always saying they're jealous that they're that you're that you're in the position they're like Sonny stole my job stole their <laughs> Sonny stole my job. There might mm -hmm. be a couple haters in the chat room. Yeah, but a couple trolls. But they they don't say much. That's true. Sometimes because they don't know where they're at, they pop up and say something, but then they quickly leave they're because like, our our chat room are straight up trained liberty first, right? Straight up trained liberty first. So uh, let's go straight to the law in news today. The law in news. We're going to show you a couple things that have happened in the news that are legally relevant. One of the stories, our first story is sort of like a public interest case. And uh, law in the news, we have a uh, Texas waitress gets a $2,000 tip, but restaurant refuses to give her a cent. Wow. This really hits home for me, Miss Chrisanne. Yeah. Yeah, because I am a waitress. Can you imagine if you had received this, this right there, right? I, I would, you'd have to wake me up 
<laughs> uh, well, she was shocked too, right? She was thrilled to receive the 2000 tip only to find out from the restaurant. She won't take home a single cent. Emily Bauer had only been a server for about two weeks when she schedule, was scheduled for a busy Sunday shift at Red Hook Seafood and Bar in San Antonio. Uh, while she, while working all the tables, she kept apologizing to a man seated in her section for being slow, mm -hmm. right? He was just like, I understand. He also mentioned he owned restaurants, so he knew how hard it was to be a server. How many? Wouldn't it be nice if everybody knew how hard it was to be a server? That would be great if everyone knew, but most people don't. Most people don't know. I, I worked my way through college being a wait. We were called waitresses back then, not servers. It's like more dignified now. Oh, yeah. They server, call isn't servers it? now, yeah. not waitresses. And uh, he said he was like, just cancel everything, cancel everything and give me the ticket. So I said, OK. And I gave him the ticket. She didn't notice until he left that he had given her a $2,000 tip and wrote a note that said, Merry Christmas. Keep working hard. I was like, wait, she said. I just opened it and started crying. I was like, oh, my God, my kids. I'm going to spend it all on my kids. She has two sons, a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Uh, she says, she says, oh, my God, I've never had a Christmas where I've been able to splurge on them. But she says that her excitement was quick, quickly dashed when the restaurant told her it can't process a tip larger than $500. Okay, so first, the guy that gave her a tip owns restaurants mm -hmm. wouldn't you think that he would know you would think that he would know well actually there's no legal reason why uh they can't process this trip this tip but uh the customer received word that she won't get the tip called the restaurant to express his disappointment when she called to express her gratitude, her manager said this information can't hadn't been taken down. Uh, instead, she shared the message on Facebook in hopes that it would reach the customer. Even though I can't receive it, thank you and for having such a big heart. Now, I want to know, wow. why can't she receive it? I mean, that's the big question because right now, when they processed this, that evening, right? Yeah. They would have processed that this evening. Yeah, before the end of the night, before everything closes. So the restaurant has $2,069.01. And one cent. Mm -hmm. So where is the $2,000 uh, going? I, I, I just... Boy, New York Post is really annoying me. I, I just want to know... Where is that $2,000? That's a good question. Did the restaurant keep it? I don't know. There's got to be somewhere. I don't think it's our responsibility as a server to say, oh, no, you can't tip me that much. There's a limit on my tip. If that's the case, there should be signs posted at the restaurant or the receipt that says there's a limit of $500. Now, the restaurant received note says that they contacted the customer and said she won't receive the tip. But does that mean that they didn't process the credit card for the full amount? I don't know. So they the restaurant contacted the customer to mm -hmm. say she won't get the tip. Mm hmm. I wonder what he said. 
How did they, how did they contact him? I don't know. How would they contact you? Because you don't give your phone number. No. When you order at a restaurant. She said when she asked to call the customer to express her gratitude, the manager said his information hadn't been taken down. Well, how did they call him if they didn't How did they call him? Down? Where is this $2,000? Where is it? And why can't she have her tip? I mean, if the credit card didn't decline the purchase, then what's the problem? You have, by the way, you have a contract there, right? You have a signed contract. That's what all of your receipts say. Yeah, pretty much. It's a contract. It's a trade for agreement. You contract that you agree that this money will be paid for this service. So that's the question. Why couldn't they process it? Where did the money go? And did this guy actually not pay the $2,000? See, I think something is really, really fishy here. Something's not right. Something is not right. Something is not right. Well, in Oklahoma, train crossing law, we don't use this word, Sonny, just in case you know, was held to be unconstitutional, which is pretty crazy. Uh, when you find out why, but not so crazy when you understand how things work, right? So an Oklahoma City federal judge has permanently barred the state from enforcing a law that prevents tr prevented trains from blocking streets for more than 10 minutes. Isn't that a huge pet peeve? Um, yes, I've had Seriously. that happen to me. It only happens to me when I'm in a like really in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And then there's a train that blocks the road. Right. Well, I think that's what always happens. Yeah, only when I'm in a hurry. Only when I'm when like you're in a hurry. when I'm like almost late. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the district judge found the state law facially unconstitutional because it runs afoul of a federal law, the Interstate Commerce Commission Termination Act. Blocked train crossings indisputably have safety implications. And certainly a state or local government can address grade level railroad crossings in a manner that does not run afoul with federal law. The court does not conclude that any statute relating to blocked crossings is prohibited, but a statute that tells railroad companies how long they must stop their trains for whatever ends intrudes on the territory reserved to the ICCTA, the Interstate Commerce Tra Commission Termination Act. So let's get this straight. According to the federal courts, telling a railroad company how long they must stop their trains is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. But telling a church how many people they can have in their church service is not unconstitutional. Wow. Telling a business... A private business owner that because of a virus, they must shut down is constitutional. But telling a train company, because remember the judge said, surely there's some safety reasons, uh -huh. right? Isn't that the whole thing about churches and businesses and mom and pops? You know, cor big corporate can stay open, but mom and pop, they got to close, right? Yep. So mom and pop can be closed, violating their, their property rights, mm -hmm. 
violating the prohibition against uh, uh, unreasonable searches and seizures, violating the provision against taking property without due process and just compensation, violation of equal protection under the law, violation of separation of powers where you have a governor issuing executive orders or a mayor issuing orders to take these people's property and violate, if it's a church, violating the right to peaceably assemble, violating the right to uh, practice your religion. How about if you're just meeting outside the state capitol mm -hmm. to protest the government? You Maybe you don't have religious implications there, but you certainly have freedom of speech and the right to peaceably assemble implications. So it's okay to actually violate the Constitution. So violating the Constitution, according to federal courts, and according to the Supreme Court in certain cases, is okay. Mm -hmm. But violating federal law now, now you've gone too far. You have defied the decree of the federal government. The Constitution doesn't mean anything. Hmm. You have violated the federal laws and that is unconstitutional. Hmm. Violating the Constitution is not unconstitutional, but violating federal laws is unconstitutional. It almost makes me think that the government doesn't want us to have religious liberties or private property mm -hmm. or really any liberties. It almost makes me think that they do this on purpose. Well, you know what it is, is it's a bold statement that the federal government is superior to the Constitution itself. That is a bold statement. Right? Because federal law, violating a federal law is unconstitutional, mm -hmm. but violating the Constitution is not unconstitutional. <laughs> so what exactly does that word const unconstitutional actually mean? I don't know. You know, you uh, violating... Violating the Constitution is not unconstitutional, but violating the uh, federal laws is unconstitutional. I, I, I don't, I don't, oh, holy cow. I don't really understand that. I don't, I don't get that. And what I want to know is what exactly is unconstitutional? What does that word mean? And when the judge is up here talking about how the, it is unconstitutional to violate federal laws, um, what exactly does he mean by that? You see, that word unconstitutional, uh, I, I don't think that means what he thinks it means. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I love that Princess Bride, right? That is a great movie. That's a classic. Yeah. And I want to say to that judge, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> you keep using that word unconstitutional, Judge Charles B. Goodwin. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> so, the law in the news. How about this one, Sonny? Okay. Talk about constitution and constitutional amendment. All right. 
U.S. lawmakers unveil anti-slavery constitutional amendment. I'm already annoyed just by the title. Yeah. I'm already. Well, but actually, I think maybe it might not be a bad thing. Okay. All right. So let's look at this. What exactly would be in, uh, why would you need to make an anti-slavery constitutional amendment? Now, keep in mind, headlines are always, always misleading, right? They don't actually mean what they say, mm -hmm. right? So national lawmakers introduced a joint resolution Wednesday aimed at striking language from the U.S. Constitution that enshrines a form of slavery in America's foundational documents. Okay, first and foremost, right? How do we amend the Constitution of the United States? We amend the Constitution. You were going to answer that question for me. I was going to answer it for mm -hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. We amend the Constitution of the United States by the means prescribed in Article 5. So this article claims that we're going to amend the Constitution, which is what they say, strike language from the U.S. Constitution. That would cry an amendment, right? Mm -hmm. Amend the Constitution. So whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislature of two-thirds of the state shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of the Constitution, and here's the thing, when? When ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the states or by convention of three-fourths of the state as one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by Congress, right? So there are two ways to ratify. Why simply a vote of three-fourths of the legislators of the states or a convention of three-fourths of the states. Mm -hmm. Now, the Congress gets to choose which one works, but you only have two to choose from, uh -huh. right? So when you say U.S. lawmakers, national lawmakers introduce a joint resolution Wednesday aimed at striking language from the Constitution, that is unconstitutional because the legislatures cannot change the Constitution. The only changes through the Constitution must come from the legislators of the states. Mm -hmm. So states amend the Constitution not the federal government. So right off, we already have a situation that is impossible. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in really getting all worked up about it, even if you don't like it, because it's absolutely impossible. You can't, it, it doesn't work that way. Unless, of course, you're not following the Constitution, and our Congress would never think about doing that, right? Yeah, maybe it will work that way. Then. <laughs> the resolution spearheaded and supported by Democratic members of the House and Senate would amend the 13th Amendment, 30 Amendments ban on chattel enslavement to expressly prohibit servitude as a punishment for a crime. So I can tell you right now when people hear me say the Democrats are for it, that must mean I'm against it, right? Yeah. But they actually have a really good point. 
So what we have, and this has to go back to criminal justice reform. So what we have is a situation of, now they want to make it all about race, right? But we're it's not just simply about race. This is about prisoners, okay? So here's the situation. Right now in America, mm-hmm. there are prisoners who are in federal prisons, people who are in jail that are sent out to do work. Yeah. They're farmed out to do work. And a lot of people think, well, they're just cleaning up the roads and that sort of stuff. No, there's a lot of, uh, they're making license plates. No, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, they do a lot of work. There are a lot of ways that people who are incarcerated do work for other people. Mm -hmm. But when they're incarcerated, even though they, people doing, uh, receiving the work might pay money to the prison to mm-hmm. the jail some prisoners get no wage at all or they get a very small wage mm-hmm. i mean i'm talking like a dollar a day or something a dollar a yeah. day yeah that's not even a yeah so we're talking about coffee. making people work by force without compensation now the argument becomes obviously right if they've done the you know the crime then they can do the time and part of paying back their debt to society would be fulfilling these functions but i don't know how you cannot look at this to see some sort of forced labor labor servitude here because somebody is getting full pay for this and it's not the people working well they're they're paying back what they owe, right? We're putting them in housing. We're housing them. We're feeding them. So this is how they pay off their stay. Um, no, it's it's not how they pay off their stay. I realize that's the argument, but that's not how they pay off their stay. Because guess what? There are lots of people who are in prison who don't work a day. Now, we do have some jails and the courts have said this is okay, that when you're in jail, you can be charged $50 a day for your jail stay. $50. Which is, by the way, more than some of the hotels that are (laughs) in these neighborhoods, right? $50 a day? Florida, Florida, for example, allows a jail to charge an inmate $50 a day. That's like $1,500 for one month. Yes. So $1,500. And and when they get out of jail, that money is added to their probation, what they have to pay back into the system, which creates this negative feedback circle where you're in jail, you lose your job, you know, you can't can't work. When you get out, you're a convicted felon, so you can't get a job. Maybe your driver's license is revoked. You don't know these... These are all consequences of these things. And now you're in the probationary system where you have to pay the probation officers a monthly fee to supervise you. Then you have to pay back any restitution that you owe for your crime, which you should have to reimburse, right? That that actually makes sense. Restitution makes sense. But then you also have to pay back the jail for your $50 a day. $50 a day. Now... I understand that this perspective is a little bit liberty difficult, 
right? This is not Liberty 101. This is PhD level Liberty. And you might not want to admit that there is a liberty violation here because people are incarcerated and they committed a crime, so they waive their rights. But it doesn't really work that way, guys. Because here's what happens. You are in a society where way too many things are illegal. Too many laws. Too many laws. So now you have a system that is designed to keep the system rolling. And the more people you have in jail, the more forced labor you have in your hands. And the more money you're making, the more money you're making. This is part of why the criminal justice system needs reform, because it has been turned into a money making business where people are actually cattle or as the Constitution says, chattel. Right. What, what if you don't have the money to pay all that? You go back to jail. You never get it. They just keep extending your probation, your probation, your probation, your probation. But here's the thing. If you get a traffic ticket while you're on probation, now you're back in jail. Back to jail. You never Dang. get free from the debt that you owe society. You become a second class citizen for the rest of your life where one minor infraction and all of a sudden you are now back incarcerated. You're back incarcerated. You're not going to have a job. You you know, if you weren't convicted before, when you have a violation of probation, that's the first thing that happens. Wow. Well, we withheld adjudication the first time and they violated their probation. Wow. Right? Yeah. Or what happens if you have a judge that actually understands how things are supposed to work, right? Or what happens is the judge terminates the probation and then puts everything as a lien against the person, which means if they uh, come into any money, if they buy, they can't get a loan to buy a house, they can't sell anything because there's now a permanent lien on their property by the government to pay back the money for their jail stay. Wow. Now, I don't know if this makes me more this aspect of, of liberty in, in the popular view, view makes me more libertarian than conservative. But the reality is this. We have a broken system in which people have become the products of someone else's game. And that ought not be in an America. It just should not. So although the constitutional amendment is not actually going to happen, I agree that people incarcerated should not be forced to work as forced labor by their captors, by the, and I don't say captors, but I mean by the, the people who are incarcerating them, because then you just incarcerate people because you need labor. And that's a dangerous, dangerous circumstance to be put in. Can anybody out there see how that could be a problem? I mean, have you ever stopped to think about that? I mean, everybody laughs at Joe Arpaio having the street gang out working in their pink leotards, you know, because it's all about making the bad guy, you know, feel bad about himself. I, I, I get that. It's about punishment. But you shouldn't be able to profit off someone else's punishment. 
And yeah. If we say it that way, I'm profiting off someone else's punishment. Do we not see how that's a problem? Yeah. Once you say it that way, it's like. Mm. Well, we started the covering the uh, the uh, in, oh, what I was saying info wiki. What <laughs> the Project Veritas leaks from CNN uh, yesterday. There's a new one that's come out. So I want to go ahead and share that with you so you can see the new one that's come out. I've had a couple of you say you're grateful for the fact that we're showing them on the show because uh, you can't actually, you know, whatever way you can't reach them. So here's the one that came out today before the broadcast of this show conference calls every morning at CNN, their top leadership views their competition, Fox News and Tucker Carlson in particular, as racist and misinformed. Roll the tape. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to talk about the story, I think it's unavoidable that you have to talk about the naked racism of Tucker Carlson, because that's really what drove this anti-diversity push. You know, Trump watches Tucker Carlson show and then reacts. Um, and just as sort of the white supremacy hour they have on Fox News every night, I think it's you can't disconnect the two. What Donald Trump did last night is for anybody who watches Fox News, he was just airing all of the grievances he hears on Fox News every night. And that's all he did. So Tucker Carlson, apparently, according to CNN, is the in-house racist. I want to play that again. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to talk about the story, I think it's unavoidable that you have to talk about the naked racism of Tucker Carlson. Naked racism of Tucker Carlson. Now watch this, though. Because that's really what drove this anti-diversity push. You know, Trump watches Tucker Carlson show and then reacts. Uh, so because, yay or nay, Tucker Carlson is an alleged... Mm -hmm racist a naked naked racist a naked racist that's like another level <laughs> you're not like just a, racist you're a naked a racist naked racist <laughs> if you're engaging in naked racism that makes you a naked racist a naked racist <laughs> even worse you are a naked racist tucker carlson so because tucker carlson is a naked racist we have to now connect right notice he says you can't disconnect the two you have to connect trump with carlson's naked racism you can't disconnect the two so there you have because <laughs> they always want to label donald trump as a white supremacist racist by this marxist principle of guilt by association uh -huh. right and so because we believe that tucker carlson is a naked racist He's a white supremacist. He hosts the white supremacy hour. White supremacy hour. Yeah, because that's right. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. I'm just, just speechless. Because, you know, bold is a relative term. Yeah. Bold is a relative term. Outspoken is a relative term. If Tucker Carlson's boldness, relatively speaking to the rest of them on Fox News, and his, his outspoken nature relative to those at Fox News, meaning we're talking a low bar here, mm -hmm. makes Tucker Carlson a naked racist and a white supremacist, um, 
Jeez, I, uh, it's no wonder they call me a white supremacist and an anti-government extremist. Because it has nothing to do with race, does it? It's about criticizing the media and the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Because this is not about race. Tucker Carlson has never made a racist, and, and I don't watch Tucker Carlson all the time, but of what I've seen, I have never personally seen Tucker Carlson make any racist statements whatsoever. Have you ever watched Tucker Carlson? Yeah, I have. I've never seen him say anything racist of what I've heard of him. I mean, right. He's not. It's because he's criticizing the media. That's what he does. He criticizes the media. He criticizes the hypocrisy. He criticizes the the socialist Democrats. Mm -hmm. He criticizes them and they can't handle the truth. That's right? pretty much a label they put on any anyone who doesn't agree with them yeah. automatically. Racist. Yeah. You are white a supremacist. racist, a white supremacist racist. Just speaking from his white privilege. On the money I'm confident. Yeah, so I want to show you uh, the rest of the videos. Well, we already had that one. Why does that keep popping up on me? Come on, people. Let's Let's make this work. Come on, people. We'll go back to the first one. Make it sound like I have a crew, right? Yeah. Like I have a crew. So here is the call, because when we were on the show last night, these these were not released, right? So here we go. Let's go ahead and start with this one. Set it up, guys. What's the matter with you? <laughs> My crew. <laughs> Chris Ann with CNN them. explains to his editorial team on the 9 a.m. call that we recorded that they should, quote, lean in to not normalizing Trump's erratic behavior. Listen to this. Okay, I, I just want to reemphasize that, uh, you know, I, I think we, we cannot normalize what has happened here uh, in the last week with Trump and his behavior. And I, I go back to what David said, David Chalian said, that this is a president who knows he's losing, who knows he's in trouble, uh is sick <laughs> maybe is uh on on uh the after effects of steroids or not i don't know but he is acting erratically and desperately and we we need to uh uh, uh we need to we need to not normalize that you know what's interesting sunny how do you run an entire news agency built on the premise that absolutely everything that we report is going to be centered around a single person. We report Tucker Carlson so that we can call Donald Trump a racist. We report that Donald Trump is sick so that we can talk about how he's erratic and sick and, and we can't normalize his behavior. I'm sorry, Trump was who Trump was before he got sick on COVID. Uh, yeah, he's and always been that way. And COVID didn't do anything to Trump except maybe tone him down a little bit, right? So this stuff is is just crazy. So what we have you know, is a situation is now where the media is saying, is teaching us, telling us what we can and cannot hear mm -hmm. about the president of the United States. Right. This is what you cannot hear 
about the president of the United States. Here's the next video. We'll just we're just playing portions of these, not the whole thing. So you can get an idea of what's happening. Trump not conceding the presidential election. I just want to underscore something that Michael said earlier about the transition and Trump, because I've been talking to a lot of people this morning on both sides. And they, I just keep hearing the same thing, folks from Republicans who have not come out to congratulate Biden, but, uh, but also to those who have in the Democrats. And that is that we have to be, you know, news organizations have to be very careful and very responsible about not giving Trump too much of a platform on his not conceding. See, I thought the responsibility of news agencies was to uh, report the news? Was to report the news. That's a novel concept. She says it's the responsibility of the news agencies to not report about Donald Trump truthfully. <laughs> That's literally what she just Th said. That is literally what she just she said. She literally just said that. That's not like, oh, we interpret it as that. Right. We interpreted that. We are not going to report the news appropriately, right? We are not going to tell it honestly because it's about Donald Trump. I mean, how crazier, how, how much crazier can this get? And so I think we, yeah, we, we got that one. Uh, there's one more. I actually haven't watched this one yet. This is a new one. And so this particular one the Hunter is a minute and a half or so. And I haven't watched this. So now we're watching this together. Biden's story was an explosive blow against Joe Biden leading up to the presidential election. But listen on this 9 a.m. editorial conference call at CNN, how Jeff Tucker chooses to not cover this important story. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not important that we bring the news, remember from the last one, mm -hmm. it's important that we don't report the truth about Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, now it's not, it's important that we don't tr per report the truth about Biden's son. I think uh, on the Breitbart, New York Post, Fox News, rabbit hole of Hunter Biden, which I don't think anybody outside of that world understood last night, the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, their review of all corporate records so showed no role for Joe Biden uh, on the um, uh, uh, on the Chinese deal. And yes, I do put more credibility in the Wall Street Journal than I do in the New York Post. Um, obviously, uh, we're not going with the uh, New York Post story uh, right now on Hunter Biden, and uh, which seems to be uh, giving its marching orders to Fox News and the right-wing echo chamber about what to uh, talk about today. Obviously, Hunter Biden's lawyer is quoted in that. Wait a minute. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna back that up a second. We we need we need to back that up a second. Let me see if I can I can do that. Um, New York uh, Post piece. Oh, how's that work? There we go. We have we have uh, Zucker 
saying, here we go, right? Come on. I, I, I do think on Breitbart, New York Post, the Fox News rabbit hole of Hunter Biden, right? He says, the Wall Street Journal reported that there are no that their review of all corporate records showed no role for Joe Biden on this Chinese deal. Look at what he says. He says, obviously, we're not going to go with the New York Post story right now. Uh, we are going to... Uh, which which seems to be giving its marching orders to Fox News and the right-wing echo chamber. <laughs> so we have Zucker saying, uh, we're not going to cover what four other news stations are covering. We're only going to cover what our news affi affiliates, you know, the ones that are like us, cover because we don't want to be involved in the right-wing echo chamber, mm -hmm. but it's okay to be a member of the left-wing left echo chamber. Am, mm -hmm. am I wrong about this? This mm -hmm. is what you're seeing, right? Yep. It seems to be uh, giving its marching orders to Fox News and the right-wing echo chamber about what to uh, talk about today. Obviously, Hunter Biden. How ironic is that? The whole purpose of the 9 a.m. call is to tell their reporters what they're allowed to talk about today. He's criticizing the the left wing echo or the right wing echo chamber for telling people what to report mm -hmm. in a meeting where they're telling people what to report. Not only that, they're telling people don't report the news accurately. You have to report it in this way that Trump looks bad and obviously in a way that Biden looks, looks good. good. Biden's lawyer is quoted in that New York uh, Post piece, and we'll just continue to report out. This is the very stuff that the president was impeached over. This is the stuff that Senate committees looked at and found nothing wrong in uh, Joe Biden's uh, interactions uh, with Ukrainians. And uh, now having an email that uh, perhaps there was a meeting with someone uh, from Burisma is, uh, uh, it seems, uh, Rudy Giuliani's sort of dream a vision of, of how to throw stuff at the wall in these closing days of the campaign. They throw stuff at the wall. Isn't that the whole Mueller investigation with Donald Trump? And we just listened to at least 20 seconds of that guy telling the reporters exactly what to say and how to say it. How do you trust this when the stories, why do they even have reporters? Uh, just faces. Why would there screen. even have to be a journalist at this point when all their marching orders come from a a a, a single call in the morning? I mean, this guy actually says this is what you're going to write. Hey, Jeff, it's just David on the Burisma story. And we should be awfully careful about that, obviously. But I do think there's a media story of what in the world are uh, Maggie Haberman and uh, Jake Sherman doing retweeting that story. <laughs> The story is not how Joe Biden and got his son a job, how Hunter Biden fleeced millions of dollars. That's not the story. The story is why is the why are these people tweeting about this? That's the story. Are you freaking kidding me? I, I have no idea what to even say about stupidity like that. I, what I want to know is. How much bra more brazen can all of this become? 
I'm I'm just I'm just frankly incredibly entertained at this point because this does not surprise me. Does this surprise you? No, I'm never surprised anymore. I'm shocked at the at the boldness. I'm shocked at what to get away with. But I'm not surprised because I know this is who they are. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is who we are. And and you know, Project Veritas is really just putting forward what Thomas Jefferson already knew, right? I have posted this on my Instagram page uh, and on my parlor. So if you're on Instagram or parlor, I am on parlor. I do post on parlor. Uh, I posted this on Instagram and parlor. So now uh, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are simply proving what Thomas Jefferson knew to be true in 1807 when he wrote the letter. Nothing can be now believed, which is seen in a newspaper. Truth itself becomes suspicious being put into that polluted vehicle. The real extent of the state of misinformation is known only to those who are in situations to confront the facts within their knowledge with the lies of the day. So I think what Project Veritas is trying to show us CNN claims to be the most trusted news source out there. And so here we go. How do you claim to be the most trusted news source out there and be full of nothing but lies? And the fact, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about that statement as I said it out loud. The most trusted news source in America. Most trusted by who? Did they take a vote? But here's the thing. Maybe they are the most trusted. But I think that's because the people have been deceived. Right? Being truthful and being trusted are not always uh, are not always the same thing. Being dishonest does not necessarily mean you won't be trusted. That's true. Because the people who trust you may trust your dishonesty because they've been deceived into believing that it's actually truth. And so really it is all about perception. They may just be the most trusted people, but they simply are not truthful. So uh, we have we have CNN calling out the law on James O'Keefe, accusing them of, of, of committing felonies. I talked about this yesterday. Actually, I predicted this yesterday, Sonny. I oh, said, wow. here's right now what, what is happening. Right now what's happening is that CNN and their attorneys are now running around trying to figure out uh, how are we going to stop this from happening? How are we going to uh, make these guys responsible? How are we going to uh, stop them? And the first thing that I said is, guess what? They're going to come after them and say, you violated the law. You violated the law. You broke the law, whatever, right? Well, as I told you before yesterday, and I'm trying to go ahead and pull up my Google search so that you can see, 
Uh, it is not against the law in the state of New York or in the state of Atlanta, uh, the state of Georgia, for to to actually tape someone. They're called uh, single consent states, where all you have to do is have one person on the call who is actually listening and to the recording, part of the recording that gives the permission to do that. So uh, let me pull this up really quick because I did this Google search yesterday and I wanted you to see that I'm not totally crazy. So there was a question about whether this would be brought under Atlanta or New York law. Uh, uh, sorry, Georgia. What is the matter with me? Georgia or New York law because they're in Atlanta. Well, Georgia's wiretapping law is a one-party consent law for purposes of making audio recordings of conversations. Well, guess what? New York's wiretapping law is a one-party consent law. New York makes it a crime to record a conversation to eavesdrop on an in-person or telephone conversation unless one party to the conversation consents. Just one party? Just one party. So... Hmm. You can't go after Project Veritas for taking those calls, be, uh, recording those calls because they're actually technically one party. one party. Or you can say, well, they illegally became a part of that. So they can't be qualified as a party. So since they're not a legal party, then, then they're breaking the law. Well, the problem becomes that they already told us they have insiders. So the insiders in that phone call, all they have to do is testify, I knew that we were being recorded and I'm okay with that. And then you're done. You're absolutely done. So CNN threatens legal action over Project Veritas for making these recordings. Um, who, who called the law when the media released Donald Trump's taxes because that actually is a federal crime to release public some private person's taxes. Mm -hmm. And in his tax returns they used, he was not president. He was a private guy. Mm -hmm. And they released his tax returns as a private individual, not as a president. That actually is a federal crime. What about releasing, let me put, I meant to put that up there. I was, we're staring at it. You guys don't even know what we're staring at, right? They released Donald Trump's tax returns, which actually is a federal crime. Why wasn't CNN's legal experts talking about that then? Um, why wasn't, yeah. Why wasn't the New York Times legal experts talking about that? Well, because it's okay to make Donald Trump look bad. No, that's the whole purpose. But it's not okay to make them look bad. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. But you also have the release of Milena uh, Trump's phone conversation with her ex-advisor, right? In which you and, and Melania Trump are talking about her legacy. And it's really fascinating to hear her speak in this way. Let's, let's listen. Sure. That's fine. Who supports Melania? You do have a legacy. Yeah, but then, well, it doesn't come directly from, uh, yeah, what 
what I put on Twitter comes from, it came from me. That's, they know about the children and they, they Okay, so if it's illegal for Project Veritas to release those recordings, then it's equally illegal for this recording to be released as well. Why wasn't anybody talking about the illegality of those phone conversations? You know, the media isn't caring about the, the, the law. It's all about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about perpetrating their lies. It's all about them freaking out because guess what? Guess what? We are not going to follow the law. We're not going to be reporters. You know what we learned from this segment of Project Veritas? What did the we job of the reporter is to not report the news, but to tell people what they think the news actually should be. Mm -hmm. That's the what we take away from this. And it's not about illegality. It's not about laws. It's not about anything else. So the final thing on our list today of law in the news is the fact that our, I, I saw this headline, Sonny, and it just irritated the heck out of me. Republican frustration builds over cabinet picks, right? So what you have is, uh, first off, remember, Joe Biden is not president-elect. Joe Biden is former vice president. Uh -huh. He has no current active in-government title. Mm -hmm. So number one, picking cabinets is something that maybe he can do preliminary, but it's not something he can do legally because he doesn't actually become president until January 20th. If he gets sworn in. If he gets sworn in. Right. Thank you very much. If. If he, he gets, gets sworn, sworn in. in. Right. But we have the Senate being uh, frustrated. We got Cornyn here from Texas. I'm really a little surprised that there hadn't been at least some consultation. I mean, some of these problems can be avoided and people... Uh, you know, saved from the embarrassment if there would simply be some consultation on who they're thinking about, right? So we're not going to approve some of these people and Joe Biden is just setting them up for embarrassment. Hello, McFly. That's the whole point. This is about peer pressure. This is about public condemnation because remember, they got midterms in mind, right? So the big argument at midterms for the Democrats is going to be we got to flip the Senate because the Senate's full of racist, misogynist, non-diverse. White supremacists. Naked supremacists. Na naked racists. Naked racists, right? Full of naked racists. So we need to have the Senate so we can get these women on, these minorities on, right? Mm. Let's, let's, let's dismiss the fact that they're all a bunch of, of anti- constitution, anti-American principle, pro-Marxist, communist, socialist, socialist, totalitarians, right? Just throw all those things in there just to make everybody happy, right? Yeah. So what also irritated me about this seems to be the blind stupidity that, hey, dummy, you're being set up, right? You are being set up. It's not about you approving. It's about the fact that they know you're going to disapprove them. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're making them public because these people are not worthy of their office, right? So once again, the constitution, 
The president shall have power by and the advice of the consent of the Senate to make treaties to provided two thirds of the Senate president concur. And he shall nominate by and with the advice and consent of the Senate. Ambassadors, public ministers and consuls. And anybody else Congress says that he can have. Right. Because Congress has to say he has to have them first or Mm -hmm. the office doesn't exist. Mm hmm but shall nominate and by and with the convice and consent of the Senate shall be appointed. Okay. So this whole idea that they're frustrated, why don't they just come out and say, look, the constitution of the United States says that the president's nomination should come through the advice and the consent of the Senate Obviously, Joe Biden is not interested in following the Constitution. We are frustrated not by his picks, but by his lack of involvement of the Senate because it's constitutionally required. And then you're going to get people like Grisham. New Mexico's health czar. New Mexico's health tyrant to now be the head of health and human services. See, I want to know, you know, while our senators are running around going, I'm so frustrated, I can't do this, what are we doing? We're crying, wah, wah, wah. How many of them are going to actually have the, the intestinal fortitude, the backbones, the huevos, the cojones to stand up and say, no way in heck is this lady gonna be health and human services leader period that's your future generation there that's the lady that's going to dictate how you can have children how your children will be medically treated and she's a complete and total tyrant so what do you think about that sonny well (laughs) This is about one step better than if he chose the health minister from Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> you'll remember from the last show, Sunny, we showed you the the health uh, the health minister. What was the health health sec- health, health secretary. secretary of Pennsylvania? Uh-huh. My initial thoughts was, thank there God, we go. thank God he didn't choose. Pennsylvania's health secretary. That's right. Here's Pennsylvania's pictures of Pennsylvania's health secretary. So, so Sonny is trying to find the silver lining here saying, Hey, well, at least he didn't, uh, at least he didn't pick Dr. Rachel Levine. Right. Right. Dr. Rachel Levine. All right, guys, our time is up. We are so happy that you joined us here today. Thank you for being with us. Same bat channel, same bat time this day tomorrow, and we will see you then. God bless.